This message comes to you from City Bible Church in Portland, Oregon, where we are committed to living like Jesus and sharing His love. It is our prayer that this message blesses and enriches your life. I'm continuing on the uh, series, Encountering the Holy Spirit. This particular message I have pre-recorded for all the campuses today. Because of uh, last weekend and what has happened uh, with Pastor Jack Loman and all that's gone on, I felt last weekend, obviously, to change my message. And so this weekend, I'm picking up where I would have been last weekend. I didn't want to miss that. But because I was so ready for this particular message, I thought it'd be best if I would actually just give it to the church, even though it is pre-recorded. It is still live in my spirit, live as you receive it in this particular broadcast, all right? And so I wanted you to know that. So let's go to the Word this morning. We're talking about encountering the Holy Spirit. We're focusing on the mighty effects of the Holy Spirit. And this is my definition that we've been working through, is, is in my heart to bring the church into a deeper relationship with the Holy Spirit, meaning every person is going to go a little deeper in the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit wants all of you. The Holy Spirit wants to visit your life. And that's why we're talking about Holy Spirit encounter. Here's my definition. An extraordinary divine appointment with God's presence and power that radically revolutionizes your life and refreshes you with strength and sharpened vision. Now, that's, in a nutshell, what I would hope to happen to every person. Divine appointment, God's presence comes. Uh, there's some kind of a personal revival, a revolutionizing of your life, and then you begin to sharpen your vision. Hopefully, with that is more hunger for God. Infilling encounter, our definition, living life full. Say it out loud, living life full. Full. All right, we want this. This is our desire. Living life full of the Holy Spirit is to be filled constantly. So we're not looking at just a one big experience. We're looking at growing, ongoing, constant filling of the Holy Spirit. Constantly filled with the Holy Spirit. Thus, living in an overflow of Holy Spirit activity. We looked at already the filled scriptures out of the book of Acts. I read these to you in the last message and there's a number of scriptures you can take down, filled scriptures, that talk about being filled with the Holy Spirit. My understanding as I've gone through the scriptures is that being filled or baptized, immersed in the Holy Spirit is kind of an interchangeable term. In the book of Acts, you see it used in Acts 2, 4, 4, 8, 4, 31, 9, 17, 13, 9, 13, 52, Acts 19, 6, Ephesians 3, 19, Ephesians 5, 18. This is not all the scriptures unfilled, but these are some of the best scriptures for you to read so that you understand what we're talking about is a Bible experience. This is not something that I made up. It's not some kind of a doctrinal emphasis that only a certain group has. It's actually just in the scripture. And in the scripture, it says that we should be filled with the Holy Spirit. We should walk in the Spirit, hear the Spirit, and live in the Holy Spirit. And that's what we're talking about. As we go through this, there are seven immediate effects when the Holy Spirit begins to invade your life. One is a new reality of Jesus. Obviously, when the Holy Spirit comes, you have a, a new reality of Jesus. You begin to focus more on the Lord Jesus himself because that's what the person of the Holy Spirit does. He brings us into a fresh relationship with Jesus to a new level of spiritual sensitivity. The more you are immersed under the Holy Spirit, the more you will Feel the Holy Spirit. You'll be sensitive to the Holy Spirit, the voice of the Holy Spirit. Number three, you'll also have an illumination of God's Word. 
Why? Because the word was written by the Spirit of God. Because it was written by the Spirit of God. When we begin to read the word, the word comes alive to us. Number four, a sense of holiness or purity or conviction or being cleaned up. And, th- and this is normal. When people find Christ and get into the Holy Spirit, uh, they begin to want to clean up their life. It's not us pressuring them. It's not the church trying to press them into a certain mold. It's simply the Holy Spirit working in a person's life saying, get rid of that. Drop this out of your life. Don't deal with this anymore. Cleanse yourself from this. That's what the Holy Spirit does. It brings a realm of purity and a realm of the holiness of God. When the Holy Spirit works in your life, you change. Things you used to do fall off. Five, a new power to share Christ. When the Holy Spirit's in you, the book of Acts says you'll be a witness. And throughout the New Testament, we find that people that have the Holy Spirit had boldness. They preached the word of God with boldness. They went after people with boldness. They prayed with boldness. They shared Christ with boldness. That's part of the Holy Spirit being in you and I. Six, a new power to live in the Holy Spirit. Meaning Galatians 5, 19 and following. To walk and live means you bear fruit. The fruit of the Holy Spirit is a natural occurrence in a person that's walking in the Holy Spirit. So as you walk in the Spirit and pray in the Spirit and live in the Spirit, love the Holy Spirit, the Holy Spirit begins to empower you. The Holy Spirit himself begins to grow in you and things begin to change in your life. And then seven, which is the one we're going to deal with more specifically now because it's one of the uh, topics and one of the aspects of Scripture and doctrine that not everybody is so familiar familiar with, and I want to bring our whole church together as we move more into the Holy Spirit. A new prayer language. What in the world does that mean? A new prayer language. Well, let's discuss that for a little bit. Empowering encounter. This is my definition for this particular message called the empower encounter. Encountering the power of the Holy Spirit. Now, when you encounter the Holy Spirit, there are different... uh, Things that can happen, one is the power of the Holy Spirit that results in a new level of passion and a new level of praying in the Spirit and praying by the Spirit. Now, maybe you've heard the term praying in the Spirit, praying with spiritual language. Maybe you've heard the term speaking in tongues and that totally took you off guard. You don't want anything to do with that or you're very interested or, you know, I've heard a lot about that. Well, the term speaking in tongues is a term that I don't use a lot because in Pentecostalism, it's offensive to those in the evangelical side of Christianity and so it becomes a doctrinal debate and it doesn't need to be. And so usually I just use the term spiritual language or I use the term praying in the Spirit. Or I use the term prayer language. Most people don't react to that. Most people don't have a a lot of uh, excess baggage with that term. And so that's the term that we use mostly at City Bible Church. We're talking about praying in the Spirit. Now, Holy Spirit progression in your life. Understand this. At conversion, when you're born again, Now, believism is not conversion. Understand, conversion means Jesus has entered your life and something has changed. 2 Corinthians 5, you have become a new creation. You have regeneration, justification, new position in Christ. You begin to grow in Christ. Your roots are in Christ. Conversion, your change. I'm not talking about a church attender that's never been saved or someone that has been around Christianity but they'd never converted, never had a true conversion experience. But when that happens, at conversion, 
Jesus comes to live in the believer by the power of the Holy Spirit. There is no conversion outside the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is what comes to dwell in you. The Holy Spirit brings cleansing. The Holy Spirit brings the presence of Christ. It's through the power of the Holy Spirit. So that happens at conversion. At infilling, or whatever term you want to use, an encounter, uh, a prayer time, a presence time, a time where you go deeper in the Holy Spirit, whatever that means to you, I'm using the word infilling. At infilling, God moves upon a believer. Why? Because you're not filled with the Spirit or can walk in the Spirit until you get converted. Once you're converted, then you can move on with maturity in the Word of God and prayer and in the Holy Spirit. At infilling, God moves upon a believer with new awareness of his love, power, and presence. And new dimensions of praying with the Spirit. Praying with the Spirit, as you'll see what I'm going to say in just a while, is uh, a praying by spiritual language or praying with an anointed your own language. That is, you're praying in the Spirit. I'm not saying that in the Spirit can only be done in what we would call spiritual language or, or glossolalia or, or speaking in tongues. I'm not saying that. Praying in the Spirit. You can pray in the Spirit anytime you pray in the Spirit. But one level of praying in the Spirit is when you do use what I call this prayer language that we're looking at. Now, Jesus is the baptizer in the Holy Spirit. John answered, saying to him, this is Luke 3.16, I indeed baptize you with water. We have no controversy or problem understanding baptism in water. A person goes down, immersed into, and comes out totally immersed by the water. It's the word baptizo, to put something in and take it out. He says, I baptize you with water, but one mightier than I is coming, whose sandal strap I'm not worthy to lose. He will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and fire. Now, note this from Luke 3, or if you read the other Gospels, the beginning of the Gospels, Jesus is the baptizer. It's not church. It's not Paul. It's not other apostles. Jesus is the baptizer. And when we begin to seek the baptism, the infilling or more of the Holy Spirit, you're not seeking a gift, you're seeking a person, and the person begins with Jesus. You seek Jesus. He's the baptizer. And so here in Luke 3.16, it simply says, Jesus will baptize you with the Holy Spirit. And what will happen? Well, one of the things that can happen is a spiritual language, a new a new prayer language. And so I want to clarify what I mean by a new prayer language. Here's a very simple definition. You might want to take it down. You might want to use it. But it's a very simple definition. When people ask me about prayer language, I might say something about like this. A spiritual language is our personal prayer language given to us by an encounter with the Holy Spirit. What kind of a language? A language never learned before. A spiritual language made possible by the Holy Spirit flowing through us. It's not a language learned by the person. It's a supernatural something. Something happens to give you a vocabulary in this heavenly language that you did not learn before. Jesus baptized you in the Spirit, and in the Spirit there comes words, and there comes a language. And that language is called for us a prayer language. And that prayer language is a very valuable thing in the kingdom of God. The experience I'm talking about is distinct from regeneration. Regeneration is the Holy Spirit entering me, 
but what I'm talking about is something being broken up and flowing out from me. It's distinct from regeneration or distinct from conversion. It's subsequent to these words that I'm talking about because you have to be a believer first in order to have any kind of a flow of the Holy Spirit. Baptism or infilling, as I'm using the two together, occurs after a person is converted and thus is a very distinct experience. Experience just like the Feast of Passover, distinct feast. The Feast of Pentecost, a distinct feast. The Feast of Tabernacles, a distinct feast. Things are fulfilled distinctively, specifically in the Scriptures. So I see this experience as one that can be experienced by a person who believes in Christ that has an outflowing of the Holy Spirit or an encounter, an infilling, whatever words we might want to use, but something unique happens in the life of the individual. Now, when it comes to what happens when a person is baptized in the Spirit, filled with the Spirit, encounters the Holy Spirit, and has a feast of Pentecost personally, what should happen to that person at that point? Now, I want you to see this as my, my presupposition. This is my, my uh, framework for you to think with me to try to get a feel for what I'm trying to say. I am not the baptizer. I just showed you in Luke 3.16, Jesus is the baptizer. I'm not the judge of who is baptized in the Spirit or who is not. It's not my business to judge that or discern that. I'm not the baptizer. I do not control that. I'm not sovereign Lord. I'm not Holy Spirit. I'm a person just like you. And so I can't judge who is baptized in the Holy Spirit, who is not. So when people say to me, well, what about so-and-so who's not a charismatic Pentecostal, whatever, and he definitely is full of the Holy Spirit, walks on the Spirit. Is he baptized in the Holy Spirit, Frank? That's not for me to say. If he's full of the Holy Spirit and moving in the anointing of the Holy Spirit, has the fruit of the Holy Spirit and the power of the Holy Spirit, who am I to step in and say, no, he's not filled with the Holy Spirit. I'm not going to do that. I'm not going to be the judge of anyone on whether they are filled with the Holy Spirit or not. Because of that, I personally do not require, now listen to me, I do not require tongues as a sign for every single person that comes before for prayer, at the altar, or anything else. I don't require that to be some kind of an evidence. I'm not saying that it won't happen. You need to hear me. Jesus can baptize, and the result can be other than what I have. That's my particular bent on this. Spiritual language is a provision, but not a proof. A person can have other than spiritual language and be filled with God, filled with the Holy Spirit. Spiritual language is a provision. It's a resource. It's available. It's a potential. Now, when I pray for people, usually when they come and say, I want to be encountering the Holy Spirit, filled with the Holy Spirit, baptized in the Holy Spirit, more of the Holy Spirit, for whatever reason, whenever I pray for people, usually there is a spiritual flow of new language and prayer language that comes out of their spirit and they receive that. That's not the end of anything. It's just part of what they have received. Does everybody receive that? I don't know. I just know that's what I expect when I pray for people and I want to believe that they can have that. If they don't have that, I don't pressure them. I don't coerce them. I don't try to judge them. I don't tell them that they, they're not 
there yet. What I say to people is wait on Jesus the baptizer. Let Jesus the baptizer deal with you. Let Jesus the baptizer fill you. Let there come a beautiful flow of spiritual language as Jesus gives that to you. I'm not expecting you to do something that would pressure you into an arena that you're not comfortable with. We, CBC leadership, we do not do that. We're not pressuring you into one thing to say what we want is we want everybody to speak in tongues. Now tongues to me is a side product of you being full of the Holy Spirit. What we do want is for all of City Bible Church to encounter the Holy Spirit, be filled with the Holy Spirit, have a flow of the Holy Spirit, move in the power of the Holy Spirit, experience the gifts of the Holy Spirit, witness in the Holy Spirit. We want people to understand the power of the Holy Spirit because we're Holy Spirit empowered leaders and we believe that. We're not going to put tongues as the only thing or the, the highest degree of things. And, and once you get that, man, if you're a tongue speaker, you're there, you're powerful, you're mature, and you can just go in the kingdom of God and do all kinds of stuff. We are not saying that. What we're saying is seek Jesus. He's the baptizer. Let there be a flow of the Holy Spirit. And when spiritual language does come for you, as it has for me, then receive that as an available resource, as another tool, as something you can use for more prayer and things you need to do in your life, all right? It's encouraged, not pressured. If anybody pressures you at City Bible Church to speak in tongues, simply say to them, Pastor Frank does not pressure us this. I'd like to back off, and they should. We are not into the pressuring and shaking and hitting on people and demanding, and you don't have if you don't get, and if you don't speak, you're not there. Something's wrong with you. All of that attitude is wrong. We reject that. We want the grace of Jesus. We want people to believe this potential is available for them. All right, that's my presupposition to say what I'm going to say. 1 Corinthians 14, 14. Now, here's an interesting scripture. Now, again, we could start so many places on this message, and I have to just narrow down and try not to get too critically theological or, or too taking every verse and every word and trying to debate some of the other doctrines and proofs. So I'm just taking it from where I stand. We as a church are a spirit-filled church. We believe in Holy Spirit. We as a church believe in spirit-filled worship. We as a church believe every person should have a river in their life. And so with that, 1 Corinthians 14, 14 says, for if I pray in a tongue, my spirit prays, but my understanding is unfruitful. Very clear verse that praying in this kind of a tongue in the spirit is not something of the natural man or the mental man. This is something that happens in the spirit. And he goes on to explain more about what it means to pray in a tongue. My spirit prays, and when I pray, something happens in me that is very significant. Now, what are the benefits of speaking in a spiritual language? If you're a person that receives that and, and you have a spiritual language, I'm not talking about 1 Corinthians 12, the gift of tongues, which needs the gift of interpretation, which is for the whole church. That's 1 Corinthians 12. 1 Corinthians 14 deals with, if I pray with my spirit, my understanding is unfruitful. Then Paul says, I'm glad I pray in tongues more than you all. And then he goes on to say, uh, don't forbid anyone to speak in tongues. 1 Corinthians 14 is more identified in that 
that chapter, in my mind, very clearly, there is a prayer language, there is a praying in the spirit language, that's different than a 1 Corinthians 12, where you have to have the gift of tongues and the interpretation of tongues. I'm not talking about 1 Corinthians 12. I'm talking about 1 Corinthians 14. I'm talking about what they received in the book of Acts was not tongues and interpretation. What they received in the book of Acts was tongues that glorified God, tongues that magnified God, tongues that prayed for people, tongues that did things in the spirit as they interceded. Was not the 1 Corinthians 12 preaching in tongues with the gospel of some missionaries experience, which is a whole different subject. What are the benefits of a spiritual language? Hopefully you're marking your Bible, 1 Corinthians 14. I'm there for a little bit. Verse 5. 1 Corinthians 14, 5. Paul says, I wish you all spoke with tongues. That's pretty clear, pretty simple. And I would, Paul would say, yes, I do, Paul. I wish for all the people I touch with my pastoral staff and rod that they would also do this, that they would all be able to have the tool, that resource called spiritual language. But even more, that you prophesied. Absolutely. Spirit of prophecy, prophetic song, prophetic word edifies the whole church. For he who prophesies is greater than he who speaks in tongues, unless indeed he interprets that the church may receive edification. Tongues is a personal building up, your prayer language, where prophecy is a church building up because it's words for the whole body. 1 Corinthians 14, 39. Therefore, brethren, desire earnestly to prophesy. Absolutely, our church believes in prophecy. Do not forbid to speak with tongues. So we believe in the gifts of the Spirit, and we also believe in prayer language, and this prayer language is not something that's a, a radical weirdness here. It's a normal thing that we would go after. Spiritual language is real and biblical. Now, here's a thought for you uh, as you build and talk with relatives and people and friends, and maybe you have to explain yourself. And, and again, this is a doctrine that's very maybe controversial in other circles of people. It's not with our circle of people, but nevertheless, remember this. Spiritual language is real and biblical. Why? Jesus is the one who introduces the subject, not Paul. Jesus. He introduces the subject of spiritual language, speaking in tongue, before anybody else. It's Jesus who says in Mark 16, verse 17, which is the first New Testament reference to this thing that everybody talks about all the time, but it's Jesus who says it. Mark 16, 17. And these signs will follow those who believe. In my name they will cast out demons and they will speak with new tongues. It's Jesus that starts the subject. I think this is an important fact, and it much deserves and needs to sink into the collective mindset of the church that Mark 16, 17 is a subject start that the Lord Jesus himself begins to deal with. When you look at this, you see that Jesus prophesies that there will be spiritual language. You also see that the Father intended it. Acts 1, it was his promise. You also see the Holy Spirit enables it, and you also see the church receive it. So Jesus prophesies it. The Father in his heart intends it as a promise, and then the Holy Spirit enables us to receive it, and the church does in fact 
receive this beautiful thing called a spiritual language. The Greek word glossa for tongue means tongue or language spoken. It is a supernatural gift to speaking in another language without it being learned. Whether that's a heavenly language or a natural language, there's languages involved that the person did not learn themselves. Glossolalia, if you've heard the term, means literally to speak in, to speak in. Or to speak with, or to speak by this thing called tongues. It is known also as praying in the spirit, spiritual language, heavenly language, new tongues, and other tongues. All five phrases are uses. It's, it's a subject that is really in your Bible, and you have to embrace it and say, Lord, what is this for me? Now, here's some direct benefits that I see in Scripture for speaking in a spiritual language, receiving what the Holy Spirit prays through you. One, it is your direct line to Jesus. Two, it is a wonderful prayer language, not controlled by the mind, not limited by human thought. When I pray in my spiritual language, and I am a spiritual language prayer, I don't do it publicly in front of you. I might have slipped a few times, but that's not something I flaunt or do. And most of our church, I don't think you would find any pride there or any misuse of that. But we, we many of us, our eldership, and, and right down the line with our leadership and many hundreds of our people pray in the Spirit. So when you come to City Bible Church, you might hear someone worshiping in spiritual language. It doesn't need to be interpreted. They're not out of order. They're magnifying God. They're lifting up in the name of Jesus their songs. Now, we try to not uh, let people do that wildly. We, we uh, every once in a while, say to people, you know, be aware of the people around you that aren't knowing what's going on. Use wisdom and all that. But nevertheless, when you pray in the Spirit, you're not limited by human thought. Number three, it's the Holy Spirit-inspired intercession. Again, personally, I know that there are much better prayer warriors than I and much more powerful prayer people than I, but I know how to pray, and I have prayed for many, many years, and I just don't know what I do without my spiritual language. Many times, that's what I intercede. That's how I intercede. That's, that's how I try to get the mind of God is, is praying in my spiritual language. For it helps you face any situation. Our spiritual language prepares us and helps us to face challenges. It's our intended resource for those mountains that we face and challenges. Many times, I'll speak in my spiritual language about the mountain. I'll speak in my spiritual language about the challenge. I'll speak in my spiritual language about what I'm confused about or what I'm up against. I don't expect God to speak right back to me, but I intercede with my mind thinking this is my need, but I don't know how to pray it. And so I say, Holy Spirit, I'm just going to go into the Holy Ghost. I'm going to pray in my spiritual language. I really don't know how to tackle this problem. I don't know how to get a solution to the problem. So I'm going to intercede in my spiritual language. Let the Holy Spirit take up this subject. Where Romans says when you pray and you don't know what you ought to pray, to pray in the Spirit. Five, it is our refreshing in the midst of spiritual warfare, speaking in spiritual language, it's an awesome refreshing. Six, it is our inner strength, our wisdom. We need this. Why? Because the Holy Spirit comes and he brings refreshing and strength and, and intercession and the mind of God. And we begin to move in the areas we never thought about. And, and, and we're, we're finding ourselves making some progress when we thought there was no progress to be made. Why? Because that's what the Holy Spirit does. Now, in spiritual language, 
can edify your soul. 1 Corinthians 14, verse 4. I am not making this up. Those six points I gave you, how spiritual language can edify your soul. 1 Corinthians 14, 4. He who speaks in a tongue, it says right here, edifies himself. You prophesy, you edify other people. But when you speak in your spiritual language, you can build up yourself. I have experienced that. Not that you build doctrine on experience, but experience does experience doctrine. And the doctrine of Jesus, the doctrine of the resurrection, the doctrine of new birth, the doctrine of the Holy Spirit is an experience, an encounter. You move into that doctrine with an experience. And so the experience I've had is when I pray in my spiritual language, I'm edified, I'm built up. Jude, verse 20 and 21. But you, beloved, building yourselves up on the most holy faith, praying in the Holy Spirit, building yourself up in the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit, when you pray in the Holy Spirit, number one, it can be a well of everlasting life. John 4.10, if you knew the gift of God and who it is, it says to you, give me a drink. Now, that to me is like the beginning point, give me a drink, a conversion. It's the well of everlasting life, John 4, 10, where you start in the Holy Spirit. You begin to drink in the Holy Spirit. You're born again. Something is happening inside of you. Number two is it becomes rivers of living water. And this is all I'm saying to everyone that just wants more of the Holy Spirit. Let what is in you become a mighty fountain, a river. John 7, 37, on the last day, if anyone thirsts, come drink. He who believes out of his heart what? shall flow rivers of living water. Three, choose to employ spiritual language as a God-appointed means for edifying your soul. Choose that prayer tactic, that worship way. Choose 1 Corinthians 14, 4. Let your river flow. Water the ground of your soul. Build yourself up. It's not a selfish thing for you to have Edification, not a selfish thing for you to pray yourself into strength. Ephesians 3.16, that he would grant you according to the riches of his glory. What? To be strengthened with might through his spirit in the inner man. When you pray in the spirit, you're strengthened inside your spiritual man. Your spiritual man drinks that intercession in, drinks that worship in. Before you know it, you are experiencing on Ephesians 3.16, strengthening in the Holy Spirit. And you, as you are strengthened, you are refreshed and you are renewed. 1 Corinthians 14, 21. And the law is written, with men of other tongues and other lips, I will speak to this people, and yet for all that, they will not hear me, says the Lord. And then he goes into the rest of it, Isaiah 28, 12, to whom he said, this is the rest which you may cause the weary to rest. And then he says, this is the refreshing. Isaiah 28, 12. Yet they would not hear. Now if you do hear, there's a receiving of the gospel and there's a receiving of the Holy Spirit and there can be a receiving of refreshing. Why? We all need refreshing in the midst of difficulty. Refreshing in the midst of spiritual warfare. Refreshing in the midst of wilderness and challenges and things that come up against us. That river can flow in us all the time bringing personal, divine, Holy Ghost, refreshing into our life that brings forth great fruit, great renewed mind, great renewed faith, because the Holy Spirit is at work inside of us. 
Have you ever read about the Mojave River and the Mojave Desert? It's called the Upside Down and Backward River. Why? It's upside down because the water flows beneath the surface, under the sand, but it's always flowing. We have a Mojave River. It's upside down, it's awkward, and it's not so much outward. It's deep down underneath all the sand and everything else. But if you follow the Mojave River, which is a study that a lot of people do because it flows underneath through all the sand and the rocks, but along wherever it flows, there's life and there's green and, and there's all the fruit and the stuff that takes place because the river is flowing. So it is in the believer's life. You might not have outward manifestations. You might not uh, show people your power all the time. But what you do have is a Mojave River that flows deep down inside through all the rock and the sand, there's this powerful river that brings refreshing and brings fruit and brings things into your life that is a miracle. We are the Mojave River people. We have a hidden river and that river works. Now, spiritual language can be a distinct spiritual communication. 1 Corinthians 14, 2. For he who speaks in a tongue... I just take it at face value, folks, right here, 1 Corinthians 14, 2, to not speak to men, but to God. For no one understands him. However, in the Spirit, he speaks mystery. We could have preached three weekends on that verse. Because within this verse, I think, is a wonderful revelation about the prayer language different from any other kind of language. Because this language is not meant for man, understood by man, interpreted by man. It is the language of the Holy Spirit. It's a miracle language. 1 Corinthians 14, 1, Paul says, Pursue and love spiritual gifts, but especially that you may prophesy. For if I pray in a tongue, my spirit prays. Verse 14, but my understanding is unfruitful. Spiritual language is my prayer to God with words I can't quite put together. It's spiritual communication. How awesome, how wonderful. I don't know exactly what to say, but my prayer language puts my heart into a supernatural realm. And my spirit begins to pray without human limitation, without human problem, without even human unbelief. My spirit begins to communicate to Almighty God in the spiritual realm, and I believe things are done when that happens. Spiritual language allows my prayer to be made in the spirit as well as in the natural. It says I can pray in the spirit. I can also pray with understanding. Let's believe for both. Spiritual language can release also singing in the spirit. This is not a term that I came up with. It's 1 Corinthians 14, verse 15. What is the conclusion then? I will pray with the Spirit. I'll also pray with understanding. We just said that. I will sing with the Spirit. I'll sing with understanding. What's the conclusion here? Singing with tongues. Singing with spiritual language. Which I have to admit, I, I do quite often, probably every single worship service. Especially as I get ready to preach. Especially as I want to just tuck my way into the presence of God and 
push everything away from me. Many times, I will not even sing the words of the song. I will just begin to sing the rhythm or the tune of the song with my own spiritual words and just begin to intercede in the Holy Spirit, praying in the Holy Spirit, singing in the Holy Spirit, letting that prophetic refreshing come into my spirit, that the mind of God, the mind of Christ, the thoughts of the Holy Ghost, the supernatural realm. Oh, God, move us from the natural realm to the supernatural realm. Move us from limitation to no limitation. Move us from our thoughts to your thoughts. And so I pray and then I sing in the Holy Spirit. When I sing in the Holy Spirit, things begin to happen. The infilling encounter and the new prayer language. This is what I'm saying. When a person is filled, baptized with the Holy Spirit, whatever you want to call it, encountering more, outflow, receiving, letting this grow in you, you can expect all seven of those effects. More of Jesus, more of the Word, more sensitivity, more witnessing, more love, more loving the poor, more reaching out, more desire for the gifts of the Spirit. And also this tool called spiritual language that you can actually believe God for as a tool. Now, you don't have to use that tool. You don't have to move into that tool, that resource. You don't have to have what I'm talking about. If, if, if you have it other ways and you can get everything I'm talking about other ways, I'm not pressing you into one mold. But it seems to me that in the scripture, this is an awesome realm for anyone to desire and move into and then let Jesus give you what he wants. Spiritual language, I think, is a starting point for something. Something happened in my life when I spoke in a spiritual language. The effects of being spirit-filled can have a recognized kickstart. Speaking in a spiritual language can be the river release. There's no doubt about it. Acts 2.4, they were filled with the Holy Spirit. And if you look at your Bible, circle the little word, began to speak with other tongues. There was a beginning point. Their mouth, their vocal cords, their heart, spirit, engaged in the moving of the supernatural, and something began. The verb in the Greek here is pointed in a timing. At this point, they began to participate with the speaking of glossolalia, with a tongue. And then it says in Acts 2.4, a very great phrase, as the Spirit gave. The Greek tense is imperfect, which grammatically would read, this one way to read it, the Spirit was continually giving them what they were speaking out loud. So it's not just you doing it. There was a Holy Spirit language that came onto them, even though people heard their own natural language, and maybe Acts 2 was preaching the gospel in other people's language. Maybe Acts 10 is not that. Maybe Acts 19 is not that. But in Acts 2, they were filled supernaturally as the Spirit gave them utterance, and they preached about the mysteries of God and glorified God in a brand new tongue. Acts 10, 44, while Peter was still speaking these words, Holy Spirit fell upon those who heard the word, for they heard them, Acts 10, 44, 46, for they heard them, heard them, heard them speak with tongues and magnified God. And Peter went on to say, they, they sounded and did just like what we did in the beginning, guys. You can't take it away from them. I heard them. They began to speak and magnify God with another tongue. I didn't do it. Jesus is the baptizer because some of the apostles were resisting that. Acts 19, 6, when Paul laid hands on them, the Holy Spirit came upon and they spoke with tongues. 
Spiritual language was active in the apostles, active in the New Testament, active in the epistles. When we talk about spiritual language, it has come, it has never left. It is for every person. It's an utterance of the Holy Spirit. New prayer language is what? Pray for it. Believe for it. Receive it. And expect a new spiritual language. It is yours for the asking. All right. I don't know about you, but I've stirred myself up to want more of the Holy Spirit. How about you? You stirring yourself up to want more of the Holy Spirit? Turn yourself up to want more of God. I want everybody to stand together on all the campuses right now. And I want us just to spread our hand toward heaven right now. And I want to pray for you. Then we're going to sing. And then we're just going to let the Holy Spirit fall upon people and receive more of the Holy Spirit. Father, right now, in the name of Jesus, Lord, I pray for a river to break forth in every life. Lord, I pray for the Holy Spirit to fall upon people. Lord, I pray that our congregation will have a resource and a tool in the Holy Spirit. Lord, I pray today hungry hearts will be met. Thirsty souls will be met. Lord, I pray today for those who had a hard time breaking through to any realm of the Holy Spirit will break through in the mighty name of Jesus. Lord, we stand today and we say, oh, Jesus, come into our life. Would you right now, just right across the campuses, open your mouth and just begin to say, come, Lord Jesus. Oh, come, Lord Jesus. Come, Holy Spirit. Come into our life right now as we sing this song and just begin to worship the Lord in the Spirit this morning.